The delicious non-alcoholic beer I'm drinking right now is Partake Brewing's IPA. It's made with fruity Cascade, Amarillo, as well as Citra hops, and pours a bright gold. When you taste it, you get hints of sweet florals, grapefruit and honey on a light body, and a lingering grapefruit bitterness after you drink it down. And at less than 10 calories, it's one of the healthiest non-alcoholic drinks you'll ever have. Hi everyone, I'm Marco Salazar and welcome to the 4L Drinks Podcast, your place for discovering delicious non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, mocktails, and more for leading a fun, healthy, and inclusive lifestyle. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Ted Fleming, founder and CEO of Partake. Thanks for joining us today. Over a decade ago, Ted Fleming, founder and CEO of Partake, gave up alcohol due to a medical condition, but missed the taste and discovery of new craft beers. But more than that, he missed the social connection that comes from sharing a drink with a colleague after a hard day's work or joining in to celebrate special occasions with family and friends. So a friend suggested that he try a non-alcoholic beer. The problem was there weren't many good non-alcoholic beers that he tasted, and there was almost nothing in terms of variety. Unfortunately, the long-standing stigma surrounding non-alcoholic beer had been well-deserved. Ted launched Partake Brewing to bring all the things that make craft beer great to non-alcoholic beer drinkers, including taste, variety, authenticity, creativity, and passion. So here he is, Ted Fleming from Partake. Hey, Ted. Welcome to the For All Drinks podcast. Thanks for having me on, Marcos. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today because Partake beers are some of the most raved about beers on the market today. So to kick it off, I'd love for you to just share, how did you come up with the idea for Partake? Sure. So it's a bit of a longer story for me, and it it actually goes back to 2005. And in that year, I was recently out of college. I was just getting started in my career. I was actually a very accomplished athlete playing at a professional level and things seemed to be going really well for me. And then I started feeling, getting feelings of tiredness and then I had some ad- abdominal pains and it, it turned out that I, I had uh, developed Crohn's disease. And uh, for the listeners that don't know, Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease that affects your intestines. It, it afflicts about 5 million people in, in North America. And there's no cure. I had to go on some medication and, and it took me several years to really come to grips with that new reality for me. And a a big pivot point was in 2010, I was on vacation and I must've eaten something or something triggered a fairly large flare up. I ended up in the hospital for the vast majority of that vacation. And it was during that time in the hospital alone that I had some time to reflect and really decided I got to change the trajectory I'm on. I've got to take my health much more seriously. I need to prioritize the the things that are really important in my life, like family and and friends and health. And coming out of that experience, I really started to try to stay true to my word and achieve those goals. And the thing I think that was most difficult for me to achieve was to give up alcohol. And I was a craft beer lover. There, there seemed to be at that time, like a new brewery that opened up in, in Toronto, which was where I was living at the time. It seemed to be a new brewery opening up every week. The proliferation of new styles was, it was incredible. And I found that in giving up alcohol, I found out how much I used it as, as part of my social, social network. I'd drink a beer after playing sports. I'd drink it at, in the evening with, with my wife, just having some downtime all the social things, weddings, holidays. And so I, I found that what I really needed was a, was an, a suitable alternatives. And so I, I looked at the non-alc beer category and, 
And at that time, there were some products on the shelf. You could get them at retail, but they weren't very inspiring. Everything was a lager. And yeah, it was a category that I would try, but I I'd get bored with very quickly because of that lack of variety, the lack of interesting flavors. And then looking on the alcohol side and seeing this amazing creative craft beer movement taking place. It was very hard. And even further than that, you'd go out to a bar or a restaurant, you'd ask, do you have a non-alcoholic beer? And the server, if they didn't laugh at you, they'd say, or they'd bring you a bottle that was a year past its best before date and it was covered in dust. So it, it wasn't a very welcoming experience. And so the first steps I took towards trying to make that better for myself and as it turned out for other people was I started importing some products from Europe that were, they were further ahead in terms of the styles and the brands and imported them for my own use, but also built a little online store around that. And that eventually built out in, into a much larger thing where we were shipping non-alcoholic beer across Canada and we were shipping to the U.S., and eventually my customers, they started saying, hey, can you get a craft non-alcoholic beer? And I went out to a lot of breweries and said, hey, would you you know, partner with me on this? I built a community. I've got a business model. Most of them said, well, they all said no in some way or other. Some said no nicely and some laughed at me, but that was a seed for Partake Brewing, which, which we launched in 2017. And I want to get into the official launch and what that took place, but I think you, you point out some really important points. I think there was previously before brands like Partake, that it wasn't a welcoming experience to be drinking something in a social situation because there weren't a lot of good options. I, I think another side of it is that not only were they not interesting, but I think there was this really interesting stigma where if someone sees a non-alcoholic brand and everybody knows it doesn't really taste that good back in the day, they may think, what's wrong with you? Or what's why are you not drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's not a very inclusive ex experience. So I appreciate that you quickly recognize that and, and also just started building a business around it leading to partake. So when you were reaching out to these breweries, did they say no because they didn't think there was a market, they didn't think it was worth it, or did they also not know how to make a good non-alcoholic beer? I, I think there was elements of all those things. I think the larger thing was I don't think they thought there was a market for it at that time. I don't think, and I still think to this day, there's the overlap between their customers and our customers, there is overlap for sure, but it's not super strong. But, and then there's the technical aspect of, I think everyone thought that you had to de-alcoholize to make a non-alcoholic beer. And the Europeans certainly use arrested fermentation as a method much more prevalently. And our method is a bit of a hybrid between those two, those two extremes. So I, th I think there was all three reasons, but I think they largely didn't have the vision as to where the market was going to go. Gotcha. So then what were the next steps? You're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to just create my own craft beer. What did that look like in terms of experimentation and eventually building out the business? Yeah, it involved a homebrew system. It involved a lot of experimentation. I'm an engineer by, by training. And I think that background for me was critically important, throwing out all the assumptions and saying, let's start from a complete blank slate no assumptions. Let's build up from zero. And we've created an, an amazing tasting product that's won the World Beer Award for best non-alcoholic beer and is still in a class by itself from a calorie point of view at just 10 calories per can. A lot of it I attribute to my engineering background and an ability to throw out conventional wisdom and, and start from scratch. Homebrewing can be fun, but it can also be tedious. There's a lot of time waiting around. 
So you had to be patient, but at the same time, I was comforted by the fact that I, I had this community that I built. We'd already had an email list of 5,000 people. We probably had 10,000 people that had ordered online from us. So at least on that side, on a business side, I knew I have a, I have an audience that wants this. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to make it for them. And I at least knew that they would support me if I was able to create a product that was, that was good. And I know there's a lot of NA beer geeks that are, that listen, can you share a little bit about uh, how you make the beer? I think one of the interesting things in the NA beer space and NA beverage space as a whole is people are innovating and experimenting and trying new and different ways for creating delicious beers and other beer companies have different approaches. Can you share how you make yours? Yeah, in, in a general sense, I can. So the the two prevailing methods when I started were dealkalization, which I think the large multinationals were using, and then more of the European breweries were using a process called arrested fermentation. And so when I said, okay, like I can, I don't have a brewery, I've got a homebrew system, what can I do? But I, I think the first step for me was looking at every step of the brewing process breaking it down and then looking at the DL process and the arrested fermentation process and saying, okay, what's the best, what's the best process for making a non-alcoholic beer at each stage and then trying to pick and choose and piece those together. So it was a bit of a puzzle. I think a lot of the pieces were there, so I didn't have to invent too many of the pieces. There were a few, a few steps that were improvised, but I largely took a, a view that there are some good parts to each of these processes and trying to fit them together in a way that created a, a better tasting process. Our products, I think, are quite innovative, but they're incrementally innovative to what was out there before. Yeah, and that's awesome. I, I love seeing how people are breaking down that process and then figuring out how they can make their own beers based on improving that process. And how, if you, if I'm asked, how do you keep the calories so low? Like you mentioned, I think that's one of the very unique aspects of Partake is the low calorie element. Yeah, that one I can't go into in, in, in too much detail there, Marcos. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. That's our secret sauce. Well, was that, interestingly enough, another question is, since Partake is one of the low calories, was that one of your objectives or did that just emerge from the creative process? Yeah, it emerged from the creative process. We had really two two things we were trying to solve for, taste being one and then less than half a percent alcohol. And if we got those two things, we would have said, okay, this is a resounding success. We got those two things. Plus we got this bonus that we actually went out and, and did the lab tests for our beers. And we got the first one back and said, okay, what's, there must be something wrong. We did it again and got the same result. We went to a second lab, did the test again and got the same result. And then that was the time where we said, okay, this is, this has to be, <laughs> this is true. And then we started doing it for our successive products and same thing, 10 calories for our pale ale, 15 calories for our blonde. So we're very confident that those numbers are right. And then we've reverse engineered why that was the case. Can you share a little bit of the different styles that you have and then let us know what you launched with first? Sure. So right now we've got quite a few styles. We started with the IPA. So that was the first one we launched and I'll get, I'll circle back to that one a little bit later. We started with the IPA because that was like the king of craft. And it's, if we can make an IPA, then we can make all these other styles. And so that one uh, was a resounding success. We launched our pale ale, I think nine months later. That one went on to win the World Beer Award for Best Non-Alcoholic Beer in 2018. And that opened up a huge number of opportunities for us on a commercial level. 
And then the blonde was launched. We have a stout, we have a red ale. We've recently launched some fruitier styles of beer. So I'm drinking a Rattler here right now. We've got a Goza. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a great journey to fulfill that, you know, the variety that craft beer is known for within non-alc. And, and to go back to the IPA. So we launched that on Kickstarter in early 2017. In fact, I think we're coming up next week to our four-year anniversary of that launch. And we sold out, like we, we sold our target within three hours on Kickstarter. Oh, wow. And, and by the end of the, and by the end of the campaign, we had tripled our ask in terms of support. So I attribute that to the fact that I'd put in a lot of sweat equity in the preceding three or four years, building that community around the non-alc beer store, which was called premiumnearbeer.com. I'm sure some of your listeners may have been customers back then. Interestingly enough, I know some of the founders of some of the other brands that are now in the space, they were customers as well back at, oh, back in the day. So it's a funny, it was in a way it was an incubator and a testing ground for the larger movement that we're experiencing now. I think that's a, that's an important and interesting part of our history. And I want to go back. So you're drinking a Rattler now. And can I ask what time is it where you're at? It's a uh, 1030 mountain time. That raises an interesting point, which is any beers and the type of beers that you that Partey creates can be enjoyed any time of the day in any type of social situation. And I think the other side is that a lot of athletes use them as recovery drinks. Can you share a little bit more about the health benefits of Partey? Yeah, like I, th I think for me, when I made my personal transition on a, on a consumer level towards non-alc, the thing I realized, first of all, from a health and wellness point of view was a it reduced some of the symptoms I was having with Crohn's disease, but the, the, the more general thing, and I think this applies to everyone that, that comes into non-alc and makes a real effort into moving over is your quality of sleep just improves so much. Like I had so much more energy, the quality of the sleep was so much better. I could get six hours of sleep and it was like having nine hours of sleep before I gave up alcohol. So I think that's the most that's the most compelling example for me, certainly in a, in an after sport context, just the hydration without the uh, diuretic effect of alcohol is, is a big thing. Like I said, I used to play sports at a professional level. I wasn't drinking beer between games or during the game, but I, I'd certainly drink it afterwards and being able to have something without alcohol that allowed you to feel like you were part of that social camaraderie that happens after sports. That was, uh, that was important to me. One of the things that you shared is thinking about not just having customers, but you built out this community right from the start. And you think of your, your customers as the community. How did people first respond after you did the Kickstarter? How have people responded to some of the other flavors and what's kind of the feedback you get? I, I think the concept of community, it, it took me a little while to, to realize what I had created. And we were getting such passionate feedback from our customers. We'd have I, I've got my own story, but we'd start hearing from people who, uh, a wife that would would email in and she said, oh, thank goodness for what you're doing. My husband was just diagnosed with cancer and he's got, his buddies are coming over Friday for a barbecue and his doctor on Tuesday told him he can't drink anymore. This, this is this huge weight on him and he's stressed and she's stressed, but this is, this allows him a sense of normalcy. Allows him to feel like okay, not everything in my life is has been torn apart, and so that's just one example of hundreds or thousands of 
notes we've received over the years of people who are just so thankful that we're helping them. And it changed from a business to me to a realization that, wow, we're really helping people. We're helping people fit in, feel normal in times of, of challenge, and we're helping them live a lifestyle that they aspire to. I think over, over the years and getting that feedback really transitioned how I view this business from it being a commercial business, which is great and it needs to be in order to survive and to grow, but, but there's a bigger mission behind it. I, I love hearing those stories and people really feeling like they not only feel included, but also can welcome people. And thinking about, we talked about the physical benefits of, of non-alcoholic beverages, but also thinking about the psychological benefits that you just shared, which is less stress, anxiety, not having to worry about any of those elements. And also just thinking of the ripple effects across society and eventually the globe as more and more people switch over to non-alc and how much their lives are going to improve from health, sleep, and everything in between. Yeah, I, I think recently I saw an article that actually put a number towards some of the harm in society of alcohol. And it was a Canadian article, and it was in relation to the taxes paid. And I think there's been a long standing narrative that the taxes paid into alcohol more than compensate for the social harm. And this article said, no, that's not the case. It's a multi-billion dollar deficit. And so I think that was the first time I had seen published in a major article that someone had quantified that from a dollar's point of view. But I think the feedback we get from our customers is they're all seeing improvements in, in their lives in various ways by having a better relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And I think better relationship with alcohol, better relationship with one's health, and in many ways, better relationship with other people. I think that as you are drinking non-alc and engaging and socializing, you're not necessarily being uh, numbed to a certain extent and you have all your faculties intact when you're engaging with people. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly an element. And we certainly hear that feedback from our customers as well as they like being present and you hear the term mind, mindful drinking around our category as well. So I think there's, I think it's cool now to actually be like, I'm in control. I'm, I'm the master of my destiny. I, I don't need alcohol to socialize. I'm fun and engaging without it. And I, I think that for a lot of, particularly with a lot of younger consumers, Gen Z and millennials, that's, uh, that's an important aspect of who they are. And I love that you had an engineering background that that helped to grow partake. Are there any, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background. Are there any other kind of experiences, work experience or personal experiences that you felt have influenced and supported the growth of partake? Yeah. So tying in the, the engineering background, I, I was working in energy power plant development, largely around renewables, wind and, and solar power development. And I think that was certainly, we were ahead of our time. Like we were talking about concepts that now are now they're in the New York Times talking about them. So I think I've always been a bit of a someone who's drawn to visionary types of businesses. I think that's part of it. The other part is as an engineer, you tend to be natural problem solvers. And, and the way I looked at my business is it's just a series of problems that we need to solve. And the big picture for us is how do you make non-alcoholic beer taste great? How do you make it healthy? How do you make it accessible for pe people? And then ultimately, how do you make it acceptable socially so that people are comfortable going into a bar or restaurant or to a friend's house and saying, hey, I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer. I think that's the big picture problem that we're, that we're tackling here. 
As you're growing the businesses as an entrepreneur, what are you feeling are some of the challenges that you're facing either as a company in general or even uh, within the industry? It took a while for the various levels of distribution and retail to to latch on to to our movement and what we're doing. It wasn't overnight and it's taken a group effort. We've done a great job in our home market here in Canada, really leading the charge. And we've made our product accessible at major retail, natural, even into convenience and into food service. So we've done a lot of the heavy lifting here in Canada, but we're one of a few companies in the US and it's taking a group effort to prove success. So our success opens the doors for some of our competitors. Success opens the doors for us. So I think it's largely been a group effort, but it's been perhaps a little bit slower than than what we would have expected because we firmly believe in the in the long term transition towards uh, non alk and and a healthier relationship with alcohol, not just in the the core consumer and people that look like me that have an acute reason to drink non alk, but people who are now choosing it for. A variety of reasons, largely driven by health and wellness considerations. As you being one of the first players, both in Canada and then now in the U.S., I think there was a lot of educational elements to the consumer. As you mentioned it in the beginning of your narrative, there was so much innovation in the craft beverage movement and almost none when it came to non-alcoholic beverages. So people really have this idea that there aren't any good non-alcoholic beverages. What are some of the feedback that you get from people that are just new to the any beverage space? I think today in 2021, like there's a much broader open-mindedness to, to try non-alk. And, and I think people are, are more aware of the category having a renaissance. And I, I think there's credit due to the big beer companies, right? Us, us startups can only move the needle in terms of marketing so much, whereas Heineken and Budweiser have much broader reach. And so they've done a lot to create awareness that, hey, there's something going on here. This isn't your grandfather's non-alcoholic beer category, but I think it's companies like Partake that are really, from a sampling point of view and from a trial point of view, where the products they taste, where people say, wow, this there is something cool going on here. The taste is great. And then the wheels start turning and they, and the, the people that try it say, Hey, this would be great for when, and then blank insert a whole bunch of things. If I'm driving my, my boat, or if I'm about to take the kids out somewhere and, or I'm just even mowing the lawn on the weekend. And I, I've got other stuff to do later in the day. There's so many use occasions for the refreshment and taste of non-alc, but without the, the negative effects of alcohol. One of the things I would love to hear about is how what you're thinking about in terms of growing, but a little bit more detailed question. You're drinking a Rattler. What are some of the other beers that you've experimented with? And are there any other flavors that you're thinking about launching? So we're definitely experimenting in the fruitier styles of beer, which, you know, some hardcore craft beer people aren't great fans of, but at the same time, like we have a, we have an incredible fan base that are love the lighter flavor of our beer. They love the low calories and they're really drawn towards some of these, these fruitier flavors. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to lean into that a bit more. We're probably going to come out with a hoppier version of our IPA, which ironically, the first batch we ever did as part of that Kickstarter, someone misread the recipe and we ended up with this much hoppier, hazier version of our beer, which in and of itself was a good beer. And we were in this tough spot where I, I didn't want to send this out to everyone because it wasn't to spec. 
And I didn't want to say this is what I was planning to make. And, but I said, Hey, if you love hoppy, hazy IPAs, this, this could be for you. And we were able to move that entire batch of product. And I have people to this day saying, Hey, can you bring back what well, we've turned the beer hoppy accident? Cause it turned out to actually be a good thing, but we're going to probably bring that back to, to the market as well. So we're expanding. I think we've got the core of the craft beer offering pretty nailed down. And now we're extending both into the fruitier, lighter styles, but also getting a, a bit more hoppy as well. So in leading the organization and as the CEO, what's your day-to-day look like? I, I think people are always interested in, there's so many different elements. What, what's going to your role in day-to-day? Yeah. So that, that's evolved in, in a massive way over four years. When we did the Kickstarter campaign, I was doing, it was a one-man show. I did everything. I did the website. I did the Kickstarter campaign. I did all the creative. I helped design the beer. I packaged it. I shipped it. Today, I do none of that stuff. And some days I ask, what is my job here as CEO? Because it's so different from what it was four years ago. I'm grateful. I've got a, I've got a fantastic team. Everyone on my team is so passionate about our mission and what we're doing. And they've all been touched by this movement in some ways, whether it's personal for a certain number of our employees, but they have friends or family members that are positively impacted by what we're doing. I'm surrounded by great people and I've got subject matter experts. So we have people with 25 years experience in marketing and sales. And so my job is really to keep that culture alive, keep that small business culture and the, the mission alive within a larger organization to steer us on a strategic level and and to build innovation and i'm still the visionary at the company and and deciding where partake goes next is is part of my job as well as we wrap up you led me to my last question which is where do you see partake going where do you have what does that vision look like for partake in the future so we've just got some very exciting new distribution into the us we've added about 20 states this year alone in terms of distributions. To go back to the point of make it accessible, I think we're certainly doing our part in the category to make great tasting products like ours more widely accessible. And that will lead to that final piece, which is making it acceptable and uh, desirable. And so I think we're still early innings in terms of that mission. And we'll use that as a stepping stone to bring our product not only to retail, to convenience, but also to food service so that when I take my daughters on a road trip down through the States, when COVID's over, we can pop into a small town and we can go to a bar or a restaurant and uh, order a a great tasty non-alcoholic beer. Love it, Ted. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your narrative, as well as creating one of the best tasting and healthiest non-alcoholic beers on the market. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Marcos. As always, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so happy that you had an opportunity to hear Ted's story and how Partake has become one of the best non-alcoholic beers on the market. If you're subscribed to the show, thanks for being part of the For All Drinks community. I'd be super grateful if you can take a moment to leave me a rating if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast. If you're not a subscriber yet, be sure to subscribe to this and all the other episodes of the podcast to start discovering more delicious non-alcoholic drinks. Lastly, visit foralldrinks.com for show notes to this episode and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest non-alcoholic beverage news, special giveaways, discounts, and more. Here's to drinking healthy, inclusively, and different. See you all next week.